It's everyone's favorite show about all things Utah. A show where four hosts, and sometimes a guest, discuss whatever they want regarding Utah, and mostly stay on topic. It's the new Utah podcast. Don't worry about it. (laughs) With your hosts, Bree, Chris, Jeremy, and Jessica. Episode 215, and what the fuck was that? Don't worry about it. No, I'm going to worry about it. You cannot, when we start the intro music, you can't like do a weird thing with your face, pull the mic up to you and do like some selfie thing and then tell us not to worry about it. There's a there's a photo my friend posted that's like this weird goofy '90s photo and it says quick recreate this selfie with whatever you have close to you. What the fuck? Yeah. What did you say? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. What was in his What was in his hand in the '90s photo? A rose. And so you used a microphone. Yeah. That's what's closest to me. That's true. It's true. And it's I mean similarly shaped. They're both relatively phallic. I guess I don't know. This is what it looked like to us, Jess. Perfect. <laughs> that's exactly how well, it so should have looked. You did a good job there, if that's Thank what you. you were going for. For all of you, though, all those of you not in Radio Land, Jess is going to post that on our uh, Instagram now. <laughs> so that we can, they'll all know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, and that Instagram is at TNU Podcast. Uh, so and it was, works because I don't touch it. Yeah, you don't touch Twitter anymore either. And that's the same uh, handle. Uh, so there you go. Just retweet, but don't touch any of the settings. Uh, don't touch it. Just don't touch it. I don't. It's a lot easier when you just don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's fireworks and Fourth of July happened. Um, Did all of your ring buddies say they heard gunshots? Okay. I shit you not. <laughs> and I know. Oh, wow. That would hurt. That hurt. I think it is the headphone thing, by the way. Uh, I shit you not. The, um, the, some, one of the neighbors posted. <laughs> We're like sitting here. So we had the Lovex over there, Sean and Vanita over. We didn't watch fireworks at all. Um, the dogs were a little. Chopper was fine. We got him chilled by the fuck out with some CBD. Um, uh, Phoebe was, she needed more CBD than we gave her. <laughs> so it's a big dog. She was getting pretty antsy, so we gave her a little bit more and she started to calm down. Uh, but anyway, um, we were watching movies and at some point in the night, and I want to say it was like around 11, 30, 12, someone posted. <laughs> Did you guys hear gunshots? It's like a war zone out there. <laughs> it got taken down pretty quickly. But it was like, Seriously. <laughs> uh, they were totally joking. Every like, year. It's a war zone out there. You know it was a joke, right? <laughs> but how many people are serious, though? Like, I, I know. Well, so. Then, like, the other day, uh, someone put po- This was like, I want to, maybe it was Sunday night. Someone posted, um, and... And they're like, what were those? Like, they woke me up. Like, and you know, a lot of people posted comments like, oh, it was fireworks, it was fireworks. But the video you hear, it's not fucking fireworks. Hmm. It's a lot of gunshots from the sounds of it. They don't sound like fireworks. Like, I'll pull it up and play it. Uh, It was crazy out by me. Like, and because everything, (laughs) because. I'm on the top floor at my house. Everything sounds exponentially louder. Especially when it reverberates off of windows. Well, no, that's not what it reverberates off. I'm in between two mountain ranges. And so it sounds like super extra loud. And I thought, I was like, why, why are my neighbors doing fireworks? We're in a restricted zone. And I looked outside. No, it was like clear across town. I was like, this is terrible. It's so loud. And what, and the hill. Only caught on fire once. Only once. Yeah. What was the, I saw the fire report. Well, there was, there was one that was on 
the road going just once you cross Hidden Hollow going out to city center. And they, that was, I think, 30 acres. And they were able to get that out by like 10 o'clock that night. But had it gone over the mountain, it would have taken out my cousin's house <laughs> like in seconds. So here's the gunshots on firework creates that sound it's not a firework oh that's actual that's got to be gun that sounds like gunshots that sounds like gunshots from like a semi-automatic that's no, someone in your circle so obviously around here somewhere no it wasn't in my circle oh, oh, oh. <laughs> although last night even though fireworks are now illegal as of yesterday they were illegal i mean fucking neighbor was lighting off a goddamn super show last night in the bottom of the circle so um yeah so anyway um yeah, the, there were how many fires were there total? I think it's important to talk about it because there was a bunch. Kind of jumped the gun there, but. but they were, but they weren't all. We can go back to our lives later because um, this is still relevant. Yeah, it 60, makes sense. Sixty-eight over the weekend. Some were so like the one out by me. Everybody's like blah blah, blah fireworks. It was in the middle after the in the middle of the afternoon, and it was heavy. It was a heavy. Um, Heavy flow. So. Yes, it was heavy flow. It was, <laughs> so 68 <laughs> over the weekend. But I want to point out for this particular fire season, 644 fires so far this fire season. And 520 of those were human caused. And fire season's only been, what, a month? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and and it's not been particularly hot. Not yet. Like it's yeah. we're, we're in July. This, week. <laughs> this is just it. Like we're we're early July. We're July seventh as we're recording this. We haven't had triple digits yet. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Usually by this time we're in triple right. digits, and we are supposed to by the end of this week. But but yeah, shut your dirty whore yeah. trucker mouth. <laughs> what Chris said. Um. Oh. Here, oh, but um, the so for the July weekend. This is I didn't write this down anywhere, but it just came to my mind. For the July weekend is known for a lot of fatal accidents. Mm -hmm. I also have, I am a statistic, <laughs> but there was none this weekend. It was the first time. Well, you know what makes sense? That makes sense because there's not a lot of like big 4th of July extravaganzas stuff, where people yep. are like, I'm going to go hang out at Sugar House Park. I'm going to start at 11 in the afternoon, drink all day. When it's 100 degrees. Watch right, a 10 minute fireworks show, then get in my car and yeah. drive home. Right. Right. But I thought that was a very cool piece of information. I've so. been here all day. I've only been drinking since noon. Right. It's 11 o'clock. Um, yeah, that's a lot of fucking fires. It is 78,000 acres so far. Jeez. That's for one fire. That's that yeah. one. That's the canal fire. That's the one in Millard County. Yeah. Yep. Jesus. And as of the time this was printed, it's 93% contained, but still not completely contained. Yeah, but that one was they say started by lightning. Yeah, that was the one by lightning, but it's out in the middle of nowhere too. But it's just like I was talking to my neighbors, and it seems like an issue of not going to bed because you are afraid you're gonna have to wake up in the middle of the night to your town burning down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were up to like one, and I'm sure our house got hit. Our neighbors went fucking apeshit. Did you guys see that video, the drone video of L.A. Yeah, downtown L.A. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought that was pretty fucking cool. There's, I think there's one of the view over Provo too, but I don't Similar remember where I saw that. Yeah, that LA yeah. one was insane. But I bet Salt Lake wasn't very much different from also, what I LA's saw. Also, LA's the fire restricted zone. <laughs> yeah. Also, by the way, the firework box worked like a charm. Yeah. How how uh, we hosed it down a couple times. Any fireworks uh, tip over in it? 
ours no one of our neighbors did two houses down tipped over and luckily went the other way screaming down our cul-de-sac and hit the house at the end of the did you walk afterwards and be like you want one of these for next time yeah you can sell them 100, 100 bucks should oh, yeah no so nothing fell over and it, it, got, it got a little singed but have the 24th of july is coming up have have Jonathan go around, put like little billboards on everybody's door. Like we're selling firework bombs. He could just go with flyers. I don't think he needs to build an entire billboard. On well, the door. flyers was what I meant, but it came out as billboards. So, so. Since it's adjustable, <laughs> you know, an advertisement. Make one big billboard leading into yeah. your into the, into cul-de-sac. The since it's adjustable, we could put you. We, we we put about three in there at a time. Um, not always light three at a time, but but put them in there that way you could light it, go up. But yeah, nothing fell over. And it's just a tiny bit singed. But did, did you uh, watch your rich neighbors' uh, fireworks? Did they have a bunch of fireworks? Oh, yeah, behind us, absolutely. They had, like, the massive, like, Disney-like quality. <laughs> they probably spent five grand on fireworks. So it's funny because when they moved into the neighborhood, our poor section of the neighborhood welcomed all of those people in. And, you know, well, they did their own Fourth of July barbecue with just them, not not – not our side of the street. So they had their own little barbecue, and then they all pooled their fireworks together, and they had their own massive fireworks show, but none of us were invited. Just hang out in the pool and watch the fucking fireworks, dude. They're above roofs. That's what, that's what the kids did last year. We got done with our fireworks, and they all jumped to the pool last year and sat and watched fireworks. Yeah, although the pool's probably still not quite warm enough for that for me. It is much warmer because yeah. it's been warmer, but yeah, it's still a When the chilly. sun goes down, it's a little chilly. I mean, it's fine if you're in the pool, like head only above right. water, but as soon as you get out, it's like, right. it's hard nipple time. I think this morning was the first morning it was in the 70s. Yeah. First oh, morning. Speaking of this morning, um, Jim, we went back to the gym this morning for the first time How since, does that uh, go? since BC. I'm so out of shape. I was... At- a level 18 on the incumbent bike. So I thought, well, I'll start at 15. Like that. I didn't even really realize it, but I had like pedaled so slow the bike thought that I wasn't pedaling anymore. It turns off, right? It did. <laughs> it was interesting though, uh, during COVID DC time, um, at the gym. So you walk in with a mask and then you basically immediately take it off. You have to grab a no, little. No, that's what you did. You have to grab... No, it fucking says as you walk into the cardio and weight room to take off yeah, your mask. Yeah, but that's not as soon as... Yeah, it's basically... You walked in a big, huge, long hall past a bunch of space. Yeah, I had my mask on the whole hallway. So you got to the... To the to when the I room. got to the door that said, don't wear your mask while working out, I took it off. I wore mine all the way to the bike. I yeah. did until I was seated on the bike before I took it off. I coughed on six people on the way up the stairs, though. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it was... Uh, and it was sneeze on everything. So it was interesting. There were signs everywhere that said no gym bags. There were lots of gym bags all over, like normal. Um, Why yeah, no? I think that they just haven't taken them down because I was looking at the website and they said the gym bags are allowed now on the website. But you have to get a little card because they're controlling how many people go in. Oh. And they're like upstairs in the cardio area. They have every other machine. Like um, tape caution tape. The off. bikes, they had a couple of them blocked off, but it was really weird because I was sitting next to a rowing machine that was probably as close to me as you were. So like a it foot was away, open. two feet away, maybe. I'm like, and they had two bikes taped off. They could have easily like untaped the middle bike and taped that end bike, and then had the two rowing machines open. And the two, like the the bikes are all the bikes are already like two and a half feet apart anyway. So if you put the both two and a half feet and the width of the bike, like they're pretty That's far. That's six foot. Yeah, like right. it's yeah, but but. <laughs> I don't know. But, like lifting weights, it was definitely, it was really nice because there wasn't fucking anyone there. There was, I mean, a lot of the people that are there regularly at 530 in the morning, but 
not, I mean, it wasn't nearly as many people as usual. So, um, cause I mean, usually by five 30, when we're getting close to done with Everything's our workout, full. it's like 60 to 70 people in there between the upstairs and downstairs. Oh, I'd say it's even more it, than that. Has it been open for a little bit or did it just open? No, they, they've been open for like a month um, and a half, maybe. No. Maybe just a month. Something. Since June. I've only gotten charged once. Yeah, so since June. Um, but yeah, the restrictions in place, it made it nice because I wasn't having to like fight people to do circuits on a machine. Um, and it, and like the wiping down the equipment thing. Um, yeah, you should have been fucking doing that already, you yeah. gross fucks. Like everyone does. And, and to be fair, most of the people at the Kern's gym are, are great at it. It's not like sometimes you'd like when I work, worked out at gold's gym years ago i'd see people like fucking soaking with sweat get up and leave the fucking the whatever they were on, whatever whatever it was, yeah, it was yeah you don't really ever see that at kern's yeah, i know we, we were we were having this discussion over the weekend that a lot of the stuff that we're doing now should have always been in place yeah yeah like masks is probably like the most extreme of things but like don't fucking go out when you're sick that should be like common courtesy or if you have to go out wear a mask Whenever I worked, uh, whenever I went to work sick, I always took a mask. Well, and, and hand sanitizer all over yeah. the place. And oh, yeah. like the self-checkout should be wiped down don't. regularly and just a yeah, lot of that yeah. stuff. I don't think they need to wipe down the pen pads on the card readers as often as they do. Like after every transaction, that's a little much because you shouldn't be fucking rubbing your, you shouldn't like walk away from the check stand and be like, oh, <laughs> my fingers, they're so good. First of all, as you're going through the store, hopefully you weren't like touching your mask and you had a mask on. So if you had are washing your hands the way you're supposed to, unless you're me and I fucking touch everything, he does. <laughs> we were in some store. <laughs> that was the hardest thing for me because I look at labels on everything. Uh, I pick up tons of stuff. Yep, and I was like, Ugh, leaning across. I right? don't know. I'm I so lucky because I don't shop. I basically just walk behind. I still Chris. do it. I still pick them up. I, don't I always wonder shit. if like little old Japanese men think that I'm like a subservient wife or something. Look, I'm not <laughs> coughing on my fucking hands. I have a mask. I do, you know, stick my fingers up my butthole while I'm walking around the store. So there's that. But I did that before. So did you, this is my favorite video of July. Have you seen the guy that goes up to the Costco intercom system and farts over it? It's my favorite video oh my this God. month so far. <laughs> fart jokes. We've we've brought ourselves to fart jokes. It's really funny because there's nobody else around, yeah. and he walks up and picks up the phone, and yep, it's the best. <laughs> I have not seen that one. <laughs> oh man, Jeremy's got. Yes, a new I'm goal. that person. Jeremy has a new goal in life. That's right. I'm gonna look that up. We're going to Costco. Going to Costco. Eight <laughs> can of beans. I'm heading to Costco. I'll be Gross. avoiding that video. Let's get some cabbage in you. Some cabbage or beans. Eggs, cabbage, beans. What else? I don't know. Everybody's different. Yeah. But there are some foods that pretty much get everyone. Beans and cabbage get everyone. I've never met anyone. Broccoli. Broccoli. I love broccoli. <laughs> well, no wonder I don't have to fart so much. Yeah, you're not eating good food. <laughs> I don't eat any of those. Well, I eat beans, but that doesn't make me fart. Uh, yeah. So that was interesting. Um, it's uh, great to return to that life. Are you seeing a lot of like the people that you saw before? Are you seeing uh -huh. new people? No, I didn't see any new people. It was all people that I'd already seen before, uh, which is which is not surprising. I mean, it's Kearns. It's not like we're that damn big. Um, so it's mostly the same people. Plus, we go out like five in the morning when they first open. There's only a select few humans that are willing to get up and work out that early. Pretty much when you go in, even like before this. I mean, it was never. And, 
I mean, it could be different at like three or four in the afternoon because I don't go after work. Because right. if I wait till after work, I won't go. Like that's just I know. I know that's the boss of us seems pretty. Even now, seems pretty packed around three or four. Yeah, and that's just it. A lot of people go at the end of their day, and that's just because they want to get the extra sleep. I don't fucking care about sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Um. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I, uh, there, there are some events. Uh, I guess I don't know. I want to talk about one um, that's not on here, uh, and then Jess can talk about some others, and I'll interrupt her. Um, that's how it works. <laughs> Uh, so RSL sent out a text message. So I don't, here's a little bit of backstory. I'm a season ticket holder for RSL. Big surprise. I have not gotten RSL season ticket holder emails from them in like four ish years, maybe three years. Um, and they say at some point I unsubscribed from the mailing list. I'm like, so fucking resubscribe me. And, uh, they also are like, okay, well, let's add some other emails. So I added Breeze email, added my work email. Still don't fucking get any of the emails. The problem with that is they send out important information via email, like what we're going to do with your 2020 season tickets that clearly aren't going to be fucking used because mm-hmm. you had like one one home game, two home games, I think. You guys went to like one, maybe two games. I think yeah. it was two home games, and then the season got cut short. Um, and I don't think there's going to be a season. I think that what the tournament they're going to be playing that I'm going to talk about is it. So anyway, I get that. I get the text message that says, hey, if you guys didn't get the email, we sent out an email, you need to take action. And basically, email is, what do you want to do with your season tickets? Like, what do you do? You want to just roll it as a credit into next year? Or if we have games this season, apply it towards this season? Because they did stop. Uh, most people that get season tickets do it on like a, a monthly billing thing. So they break it up into like 10 payments or something. Um, and they're like, do you just want to have that as a credit towards future games or next season season tickets? Because the thing is, if they get to open up, chances are they're not going to open up the full stadium. Like they can't, right. they can't do twenty thousand. They be half do, capacity or like, something. Yeah, like at third capacity or half capacity. So they have to spread people out. So you probably won't get your seats. Um, and so there, there's a couple other options with like the women's soccer and other stuff. So Real Monarchs have a game on the eleventh of July that they've been approved for five thousand people to attend at Rio Tinto. I will not be going. I think that's a little crazy for me. Um, plus, there's other stuff going on on the 11th. I'm having people over at my house to be in close proximity and watch people beat each other up. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a tournament, the MLS tournament that they're doing out in Florida starts tomorrow on the 8th. Um, so they're doing three games a day. They're just doing two tomorrow. Um, but they'll do one in the morning at like 7 our time a.m. And then they'll do two in the evening at like 6 and 8 roughly. You know you're wondering. You were making a point about emails, and you never made it. No, so I got the email. I don't know why I added You that. did? You got the email? Yeah, because I, I texted them and said, hey, I didn't get this. And then I emailed them and said, hey, I didn't get this. And then my relations rep called me and was like, hey, let me just forward it to you directly. And that worked magically. Weird. Hmm. Yeah, because he put my email so on it, and I've been looking, and I don't get it either. What did you decide to do? Are you just going to roll over to next year? Oh, uh, yeah, that's what I'll do. Because I don't really care about the other stuff. I don't think there's going to be too many events that I can get into um, that I'll necessarily want to go to. Um, I, I think it, look, I have all, you've heard me talk about COVID a lot. I have a lot of reservations about how we've interacted with COVID. 
I do think one thing that makes sense is not having 20,000 plus people in close proximity to one another. I think that's something that can probably take a break. I think people, especially in this country, need live sports. It's, it's a method of entertainment, especially with no fucking Hollywood doing anything. And I think that's something that people enjoy. I think it's going to do wonders for the MLS to be the only group doing a tournament. I mean, the NBA is doing something too, but soccer will have live soccer every night of the week for like a month. And there, some stadiums will have people, some won't? Or No, it's all being done. There will be no fans. No uh, fans. It's all on Disney World. It's all going to be doing it at that ESPN event center oh, right, in right, Orlando. Right. Uh, and so they'll be doing a, it's a, it's like a World Cup style tournament. So RSL's first game is on the 12th, which is Sunday night at uh, 8 o'clock. We play Colorado. Uh, there's two more in the group stage, and then it goes to the single elimination bracket, just like the World Cup does. Um, it's it's fucking live sports. It's something. It's yeah. something, and I think it's going to do a world of good for the MLS in terms of viewership and fandom because that's it. It's not looking real good for, like, fall football, collegiate football. Right. Uh, who knows what the fuck the NFL is going to do. They're going to have a cornhole tournament this year instead. Yeah, I mean, the chances, <laughs> it's looking a lot like they might move the fall season to the spring for football, which will be an interesting... Um, dynamic and change well in hockey even though i don't really follow hockey i've been seeing a lot of stuff about hockey they're on they're off they're on they're off uh, no they all have covid so they're yeah. off well the thing is they're all going to be better by the time hockey season really rolls around but that starts in like what october ish usually yeah mid to late fall yeah. ish for hockey uh i don't know so that's an interesting thing with with sports like they're just not they don't happen they're not there i mean some of the safest sports you can play are like tennis or golf, those are great sports to play. They're really fucking boring to watch. And I play both of them, and I can't stand watching them. So, I don't know. So that was my event, though, is that um, there's a Real Monarchs game, if you're interested and can get a ticket. 5,000 people. So, they're, I mean, the stadium holds 20, and they're only letting in a quarter of that. So, spread so they're going to spread people way out, um, which will be a weird experience. Probably feel great for the Monarchs, because that's a lot of people to go to one of their games. But... Uh, I think they'll fill it up. I think they'll they'll get the five thousand because sure people just want something. Something, yeah. Um, and then the tournament, definitely watch it. The, the whole entire tournament's on ESPN, so you can watch on ESPN. They ain't got nothing else going on over on ESPN. The Ocho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think the Ocho had any like leftover <laughs> programming because the mothership took everything they could because nothing new's being made. That's okay. You can watch old diving. I wish I could remember what it was that yeah. I watched. It was the funniest thing ever. That's just weird shit that they're playing. Stuff like, they're like, okay, we're going to do like the World Badminton Challenge from 2016 that randomly some affiliate fucking recorded and we have it in our archives. Just because there's nothing else. Yeah. Like, hey, no one's seen this badminton tournament it's, from 2016. It's Japanese baseball and cornhole. Yeah, or like the belly the, flop championship, the little the little league super world series. <laughs> they air that shit normally. So, <laughs> what other events do we got going on, Jess? Remember when our friends from Front Row Film Roast moved to California, and it was sad. I do. Well, guess what? They are doing online roasts. I don't know how I missed this, but they are doing their upcoming one is going to be. This Saturday, 
What are they doing it through? Uh, the internet. <laughs> um. <laughs> you asked a silly question. I've fucking, I, I can't say anything against that. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be the internet. So, um, I can give you more information. Cause I would assume like trying to do it through a platform like YouTube, they're going to get, they're going to get banned for copyright infringement real fast. Um, I can let you know. So they are doing the princess bride. Well, they're doing it through clean flicks. Um, let's see. It's only a dollar. So that's cool. Um, it's Zoom. It's a Zoom or another app to be determined. So. Big massive Zoom meeting. Yep. It says you'll be emailed a link for the virtual theater. So that will be. Really funny. That's kind of nice for them because they can mute all participants. But that's also got to be odd because, like, you don't get the laughter. You don't get the laughter, so you can't play off of it. But they're rehearsed, right? They riff on these things for a while. So, yeah, I think so. Um, It's not really an event, uh, but I thought it was very cool because Gilgal Garden is uh, the National Trust has accepted it into its distinctive destinations program. That's awesome. Um, it is awesome because, uh, so it highlights sites across the country that illustrate American history and culture, and it's the first one in Utah to be added to the list. Oh, wow. Wow. So that's way cool, right? Yeah, don't throw that into the bay. The statues from Gilgal Gardens. <laughs> yeah, no. So there's a lot of statue destruction going on these days. There sure is. Bunch of fucking traitors and idiots getting thrown into the river and stuff. Traitor is an idiot. Yeah, Christopher Columbus was a fucking moron. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's, I don't really have any other events. I just thought that, that that was of, of note. It is also worth noting the markets, farmers markets are still open. All of them, yeah. actually. There are way more than you, than I ever remember talking about. There's tons. Like, Riverton's got a good one. Um, there's, there's, uh, Riverton, there's the one in Kearns you should stay away from. Eagle Mountain has one. The guy, by by the way, the guy selling oranges at the old Family Dollar on Forty Seventh, kind of kitty corner from uh, El Rancho Grande. That's not a market. <laughs> that's just a dude with a truck full of oranges. So, no, oh, like the potato people. <laughs> what? Yeah, you see the people like selling the potatoes on the side no. of the road in like a truck or like pine nuts. Really? Are they, yeah. the pine nuts? I get. I love the pine potatoes. Nuts. Oh yeah, it's I did, I've never seen potato mm-hmm. people. Yeah, that seems yeah. like that seems like Mister and Mrs. Potato, potato Head. Potato Potato people. Yeah. It's always the Idaho russets. But oh, I have I potato did. people living in my backyard. Apparently, did you guys see the story about the like the seed farmers up in like Montana? The mm-hmm. Potato seed farmers that have had to like dump literally millions. of... Of potatoes. Oh, Idaho is the same. Idaho yeah. Is, and there was, I can there was actually another, there was a foreign country that was like basically like paying people to come get their potatoes. Well, and the issue is, um, they just, they have all these potatoes. They don't last forever, even in stores, and they have to make room for the new crops. Right. And the majority of their, their crops go to restaurants. There, so. It's like basically a 50-50 market, right? Like 50% are essentially fresh retail style potatoes. So they go into things like, you know, box scallop potatoes and mashed potatoes hash and, and hash browns that you buy at, you know, like the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And the other half are what they call a manufacturing segment, which I'll go into basically restaurant-orientated stuff. So French yep. fries for McDonald's and right. pre-cut potatoes for different 
places like fast food in particular is, is super reliant on it. But when all the restaurants shut down for three months, the factories, like they can't convert from one processing to another. So while there was a huge they run, made vodka. Well, <laughs> but that's just it. Like while there was a huge run on grocery store potatoes for people and the prices went up because the, the supply of grocery store potatoes was still the same, but the demand was higher. That was very short lived, but they can't just turn that equipment into equipment that processes for, right. you know, regular people consumption that's not like cutting and all that other shit. So it's not like they can just turn those factories making that other stuff around. It's just not the, the way the food supply chain works. It's just not feasible. So they've dumped like millions of millions of pounds of potatoes. All the potatoes. And you can't, and people are like, well, just give them away. You can't. Like that's the you can't give that many potatoes away, uh, and there's regulation in place. You can't just like here, food bank have two hundred thousand pounds of potatoes. One, the food bank has no fucking way to handle them. Right. There's no packaging, and two, it's expensive to move those potatoes. Right. So who's going to ship them? Who's going to pay to ship them? Truck them? Can them? Put them on trains? Can them? It's all. Who's going to pay to can them? Your mom. <laughs> my, my mom ain't got that much money. Can I tell you? So my brother came. Uh, my brother came to visit yesterday. Yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Uh, he was picking up one of the one of the older girls. It's from the visit airport. you're looking forward to. Yeah. Um, well, I get to meet his son. Um, Bree says you I met, met him before, his son. but his son was too little to remember. Uh, and Phoebe. <laughs> That's really, what people say about me. <laughs> clearly, you are too old to remember. Phoebe really liked him. Um, he, I don't know how sure he was about Phoebe. How old was he? How like, Five or six, I don't know. Oh. But Phoebe's as big as he is. Mm. <laughs> so like, dude, she's like. Face I don't level. even know how old your kids like are horse. that aren't <laughs> close to my kids' age. Because the only way I relate to kids is if they're like around my kids' age. So <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know. Hannah's like high school, and Jonathan's not. <laughs> That's close. That's how old they are. So I was gonna say something about my brother coming to visit, and I forgot what it was. It was about potatoes and farming, and I don't know. My brain's not working. I well talked today. about going to the zoo. Would that help you remember? No. Oh, I said something about your mom. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So no, no. Okay, so yeah, that brings me back. So my my mom had texted me the other day, and my mom doesn't talk to me very often. We have a relationship where we just don't inform each other of things. But she sends me a message, and she's like, "I already found your Christmas present, uh, and I had to get it, but it's too big to send." Um, so you're going to have to come pick it up, and she's like, "Your birthday presents in the mail already," which means it's probably going to be here today. I'm like, okay. And like in the same text, this is like a huge text. And she's like, so I'm taking a week off from here to here because I have my eye surgery. And then with the baby coming, I figured it would be a good time for me to be able to spend with the baby and help, help Daniel and, and, uh, um, uh, his Misty. Misty. Yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> she's like my sister in law. I don't fucking know her name. Um, She's not. She's, she's not. as much your sister-in-law as I am her sister. But anyway, so I'm like, and uh, and she, so I'm like, oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll find a time to go up there. This is my mom's way of making me come see her is to get a gift that I don't even care about. Probably, it's it could be the ultimate dream catcher. She's like, I maybe can't. it's antlers. She's like, I can't ship it because it's a fucking 20 foot wide dream catcher. It's for, your, like, it's for your deck. We're going to have to like fucking tie it to the roof of the car. Or we could use it instead of lattice for the roses. It's made out of deer antlers and a fox tail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 
this fucking Are we picture? taking bets on your Christmas? Foot? I think it would be I think it would be good. We can just open a pool. We can let listeners bet on what it's gonna be. <laughs> anyway, I think that we're probably headed down to uh um or up to Wyoming for the whole point of that was she slipped in there that she's having eye surgery. Like in the midst of this wall of text. Oh, about my aunt stuff. did the same thing about having cancer moved from her face, like to her kids. She was just like, like everybody was. Like, <laughs> so then I'm like, so then I'm like, I, I respond. I'm like, yeah, well, okay, we'll try and figure out a time to come up after the baby is born or something for for a day. Uh, and then like I realize, holy fuck, she said she's getting surgery, <laughs> like like cataract surgery. Yeah, so I'm like, mom, wait, you just fucking slip surgery in there? What the hell? When, when were you gonna tell me about this? She's like, oh yeah, just for the cataracts. Yeah. I'm like, you fucking cataracts? I didn't know you had cataracts. And then she's like, yeah, and then, you know, I need hearing aids because I'm going deaf ever since I got sick, um, really sick last year. My hearing hasn't been the same. And so I'll have an appointment with an audiologist to get fitted for hearing aids. And then hopefully I'll have foot surgery at some point to deal with my foot. She's I'm like, what the fuck, mom? <laughs> she hit by a train or something? No, she's been an alcoholic her whole well, life. Well, the stupid thing is that she's like way younger than my mom. She's she's lived a hard life. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Uh, well, and then Daniel's here, and Chris is saying this, and they're laughing about it. And he's like, "Yeah, she stabbed her hand yesterday and got seven stitches." Yeah, like, what? <laughs> like what the fuck? Is she doing that she knife that knife game with some I, truckers? I don't even fucking know. I don't even know. She was probably peeling a goddamn potato because you know what she uses to peel a potato? A fucking steak knife. My mom uses a knife to peel potatoes too. Why? There's a fucking invention for it that makes it easier and cleaner and leaves more nutrient on the potato. Why would you use a knife? My mom's never cut her hand. Jeremy's cut his fucking finger off using shears. In the yeah, garden. because he was peeling a potato with a knife. That's not what happened. <laughs> hey, you haven't gotten the calendar down. What's nah, happening? We're good. We don't need the calendar. I want to know. We got other shit to get to. And we got to leave plenty of time for our awesome interview. Okay. Next yeah. next week, though, we've got to do it because um, I think it will have both yours and Jess's birthday in the... Because it would be... Did you write them? Huh? Did you write them on the calendar? No. Then it won't be on there. I don't mean that it would... Jeremy won't fucking read I them. I mean that the dates would include <laughs> both of your birthdays. Jeremy's not going to read them if they're not. You should write them I'm up like there. I'm like Ron Burgundy. I only yeah. read what's on the prompter. <laughs> Fuck you, San Diego. <laughs> I just know he wouldn't read them. Like, he would be going. Yeah, see, I'm totally right. Because yeah, yours is on the Sunday, and then Jess's is the, the Saturday after. So if he reads the week, you guys will both have your birthday, whatever days are on your birthday. He'll have to read two weeks. No. Mine, so hers is not on the 20th. It's the 25th. Yeah. This so is the 19th. So he'll read mine, and then the next week he'll read hers. Oh. Oh, yeah. Because we do this on Tuesdays. I was thinking, anyway. We've done this on Tuesdays for four years. I'm just kidding. Holy shit. I'm gonna <laughs> Someone's going to kill me tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> At least um, I know when Jessica's birthday is. Uh, <laughs> Somebody's got to. <laughs> so... Uh, the, just another thing on the fire update, and then we'll we'll not talk about fires again because there is one other thing that I thought was worth talking about that we didn't mention, and that is the um the fireworks limitation zone. So in the Utah <laughs> fire fireinfo.org, they have a they sent out a tweet uh, today or fireinfo.gov, but they sent out uh, a tweet today. Uh, or maybe it was yesterday that said, just a reminder. The red zone. Yeah. Here's where fireworks are illegal in the state until this time. And the whole fucking the whole state red. is awesome. That's yeah, awesome. that was 
That was fantastic. Well, we are a red state, so. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, and you transitioned well. But I'm bong. Ching. Ching. So, election update. Uh, the, the races have all basically Ding. been called. Yep. Um, what? Except for one. The Darren Perry, and I can't remember the lady's name for the Democratic side of District 1. Yeah, no one cares about that race. <laughs> <laughs> It's Rob Bishop. Of course we care. Yeah, but they're not going to win that seat. That uh, district's so fucking gerrymandered. There is no way a Democrat's ever winning that seat. I'm really mad that Burgess is winning because, or, because, or that won. Because he's with Trump on, like, nuclear testing. Everything. Well, yeah, yeah everything. Yeah, literally but. everything. So Burgess creamed everyone else, as I thought would happen. He had, like, 40% of the vote. Ben Winslow owes me a soda, by the way. Just You should swallow that puke back down. <laughs> it was my gum. <laughs> it's she not, did swallow it from the tongue. It's like, no, I it's thought, in my tooth. I was choking on the When we were talking bit. about Tom Burgess Owens winning, I thought you were throwing up in your mouth a little. No, that was me. <laughs> well, so he, we're really not nice surprised, guy. though, right? No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. He's the only one with name recognition. Right. And the RNC just pumping money into his campaign yes um that being said i'm still voting for ben mcadams even as Me a registered too. republican so you heard it here this registered Me republican too. will be voting for ben i McAdams. need to i need to un un, Don't do un republican myself not nope. yet you can't you gotta yet. wait you gotta wait at least a couple months just just wait until after the general it doesn't do you any good now to go back to democrat yeah um so the the attorney general race took a while uh, but eventually, uh, Reyes, it looked like Reyes was going to win the whole time, but I heard the school board. Was so it the, school the guy board? that he's up against for the general election is actually really cool. So I hope that more people, the Democrat, uh huh, yeah, the state school I can't board didn't have right a now, single sorry. Democrat run. Well, not running or running a post. There wasn't, a, there wasn't a, that's because it was a primary ballot. The oh. election's not till November. So unless there's an opposition, there won't be on the primary ballot. So there was, then that must have been it. There was no opposition. Yeah. I just saw a post about that today. Yeah. So, well, and it could be that there is no Democrat running for one of those seats for the general because the time to file for the general has gone and passed um, now. So that, must have been it. that could be absolutely a case, which is really sad. It is sad. Um, cause we're going to have, you know, some more time of no sex ed and no gun education and absence, know, lack of funding. Uh, revision. You know, history. abstinence has to do with sex ed, right? No, not a few. Abstinence is devoid of sex. <laughs> abstinence only means no sex. It doesn't exist. Storks bring you to your mother. <laughs> or test tubes. Yeah. Or an adoption agency. True. You can get a baby from an adoption agency if you're the right kind of person. That means not gay and married. Married and not gay. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, the... What was the other big race? I mean, the gubernatorial race was the other really big one. And finally, Huntsman conceded the race. So, which I think was big of him. There was no chance for a recount, and it wasn't looking like he was going to gain any more. Really close, though, with those two. Yeah, that was Um, surprisingly close. What was surprising is that Hughes got 20% of the vote. I about shit my pants when I saw that number. After after he dropped out? No, no, no. He had like 20% initially, but he was so far behind the other two, he he didn't have a chance of catching up. Um, but yeah, so nice to see Huntsman, um, concede in a, in a gracious manner and, uh, good for Spencer Cox. Um, I'll probably actually vote for him for governor. So I voted for in the primary and, uh, I don't think Christensen's that great of a candidate to be quite honest. So I think he would be good in an, in an, in another 
role like senator or something like that. I yeah. think he would be really good yeah. at that. So it'll be an interesting election season. We'll see what happens. Um, we're going to see a lot more Burgess Owen shit is all yeah. I know. So just on a side note, um, there was a huge news story, in t- which it shouldn't have been, but and Twitter thing, because Spencer Cox told this story about meeting this family from LaSalle up in Oregon because they went to go drop off his son for a mission. And um, the way that he wrote it, it kind of bled into each other. So I could see why people thought that the photo of him and his family was him and the people that congratulated him and people on Twitter lost their minds because they weren't wearing masks and everyone. And I was like, this is his, like, this is his wife and his kids. And people were like, no, it's not. It's the people from the cell. No, it's not. And it's his neighbor was like, no, this is his family. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and it's just a picture of his wife and kids. And those trolls are the same people who don't wear masks themselves. Oh my gosh. But it was just, it was so, it was just interesting to watch people argue that it wasn't when it was. So, should we talk? I did vote for him too, as well. Should we talk about who got the checks for the PPP, and then we should talk sure. talk beer, and then we're going to have our guest here pretty soon. Okay. Well, yeah, probably sooner than pretty soon. Yeah, he'll be late. Don't worry, they're always late. Um, <laughs> always. Ninety nine percent of the time. Whoa. They don't. None of, none of them think that it's going to be difficult to get out here until none of late. them are later than the so Lebecks, though. It's okay. I love you, Vanita. He's coming. She listens to our podcast. He's coming from a good good thing, so it's okay. A good thing? A good On the thing. east side. Yep. All right, we're down with PPP. Uh, yeah, so PPP yeah, was the... With PPP. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, know me. me. The Payroll Protection Program. It was the, the loans for small businesses, the $5 billion paycheck loans that... Um, went in like two days. Yeah, like almost instantaneously. Um, the, the government had approved. Um, so um, who got them? Well, and just for the record, they weren't going to release the names like the Trump administration has been fighting that. But Ben McAdams has been fighting to get those names released. Well, so. I think you have to for accountability, right? Because yeah. that money is supposed to Kanye go- got some. Well, so here's the thing. The, the purpose of the money was so that businesses could pay their workers, even though like, for instance, we had a massive drop in productivity for two months because we were trying to get everyone remote. Uh, we had a drop in our clients' visit counts, which means less revenue for us. A normal business, a sane business, lets go of workers at that kind of time and then brings them back when they need to. But part of this protection program was that you could keep your workers employed, continue to pay them, and not furlough them so they didn't collect unemployment. So it's important to make sure that those things were happening. And I think to, to do that, you have to let people know who got them, Right. So uh, there were quite a few Utah businesses uh, that were able to take part in this program. Um, so do we just want to start going through some of them? Yeah, let's point out some of them. So Alta and Brighton both got uh, $2 million from the program. Ken Garf Auto, got $10 million. $10 million. Uh, but th- that's across their entire auto group, right. right? Like that's Bob Garf, Ken Garf. That's mm-hmm. all the damn Garf auto groups across the Wasatch. Yeah, they have front. like a dealership for every kind of car, and probably and some they have multiple dealerships. Um, so that's a big. The Ken Garf auto group is is huge. So the one that makes you mad is Planned Parenthood. Not mad that they got it, but they got it, and so many people threw a fit that they gave it back. Well, I mean, Planned Parenthood. 
we've had them in here. They're really trying to distance themselves from federal funding because they don't want to be dictated that they can't do things like abortion. So, um, Barney Trucking of Salina, $10 million for coal hauling. That's fucking crazy. What do they need that loan for? Coal didn't stop. Um, I like the, I like all of the the nonprofits and stuff that have gotten it, like the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance, um, the Road Home Volunteers of America, Odyssey House, Utah Symphony, and the Opera both got. Um, see, those this are, is up to five million. Those are the kind of businesses that really needed to get it right to continue to pay the people that work because those were the things that were flat out shut down. Yeah, well, and think about it: like you can continue to pay not only your artists but your ushers, your ticket sales reps, like all that stuff. The zoo. Got a million, and then another two. Tracy Avery. Apparently, the Catholics got 350K. Go Catholics. So did Squatty Potty. Yay, Squatty Potty. Fierce I like firearms. Squatty Potty. Um, the Blue Boutique got 350,000. I think our guest might be here. That, um, was like, that was like very Mr. Rogers. I think our guest might be here. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? <clears throat> um... Yeah, she's fine. She's asleep. She's not going to um, Blue Boutique got $350,000. Um, Love It Partners got a bunch of money. Um, some of them justifiably deserved it. Others of them, eh, I don't know. Yeah, really interesting to see who got what. Um, there's a full list out there of any business that took more than 150000 This is just a highlight of some of the the businesses that took money, so... Well, we are joined today by uh, Dr. Mark Lewis. He is a uh, oncologist uh, with Intermountain, right? That's right. And Twitter here. Say it wrong. What? I just said Intermountain. It's easier because then you can't correct me because I don't know if it's the insurance company or the hospital or. He always calls everything Intermountain Medical, <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's just the that's just Intermountain the Healthcare, Select Med. I don't know. That's all the same big ass conglomerate. <laughs> My friends back in Texas say, "Wow, between the mountains, how specific of you." So yes, it's uh, Intermountain Healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the biggest HMO in Utah. And the only one, really. There's not another one, I don't think. So, HMO is a dirty word, though. That doesn't exist anymore here. Right? Oh, what though? We wouldn't have rural hospitals without them. So, no, I like them. I don't have any problem with them. They're not like Kaiser. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's our new tagline. We're not Kaiser. <laughs> not as bad as Kaiser. Can you pitch that to better, someone? <laughs> slightly better than Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on your business card. <laughs> so h- how long have you been a doctor? Yeah, I've been a doctor now for uh, 15 years, and I practiced the first roughly 10 years in Texas, and then about four years ago, I had the opportunity to move here with my wife, who's also a physician. She's a pediatrician. And as you guys are aware, Utah has no shortage of children, so it was a very appealing practice population for her. It's actually been wonderful. So sort of famously dual physician couples have a hard time balancing their work and their home lives. And this has just been an absolute godsend for us. It's been great. Is she also with uh, She's with Intermountain. Yeah. She actually is in the kids care system. So it's like urgent care for children. And uh, I know we'll get into it, but there's been quite a lot of activity recently with uh, the pandemic and she's definitely a frontline healthcare worker. So 
That's awesome. So do you guys wear masks at home with each other? Because <laughs> she's exposed so much more. We have a we have sort of a, a decontamination system. It's it's the opposite of of sexy. We strip down when we get home out of our scrubs and basically make this walk of shame to our laundry room and, uh-huh. uh, and then immediately disinfect and then we get to hang out that's, together. That's not a walk of shame. I do that every day <laughs> in the morning from my bedroom to the back door to let the dogs out. <laughs> I make sure that I'm I'm stripped down and. <laughs> Let the dogs out. Nope, no neighbors are out. Yeah, the we make sure the curtains are closed. So <laughs> we get up at four thirty in the morning. There's usually not a lot of people. If there's out. anyone peeping in my window, they can get a look. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! How did that conversation? I mean, your kids are a little bit older, but when all of this started, I would. I mean, I guess if you had younger kids, it would be a bigger issue because they're running to the door and oh, mom and dad's home. But yeah. to be like, okay, like nobody's allowed. Yeah. Within this perimeter until like, mom or I are. You have like plastic wrap put well, up by the door. You kind of have to give it's them. It's like the, ET. Yeah, you got to give them the Heisman, right? So when they come up to you, you got to kind of stiff arm them like that. And, um, no, honestly, our, our kids have been very understanding because they kind of grew up with us being docs. And, um, before COVID, it wasn't uncommon that my kids would actually come up with me on the weekends to, to round. And they wouldn't see patients per se, but they would hang out in the office. And my son thinks the human body is like incredibly cool. My daughter thinks it's very, very gross. So they're a really interesting. <laughs> thing there. Uh, but no, they've been kind of used to us like coming home. And my wife used to work kind of ER and that kind of stuff. And so they've always been, um, respectful of us when, when we get back. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, so we need to back up. Yeah. Where were you born? I was born in Scotland, actually. So this is the part I get to switch on the accent. So uh, I was born in Edinburgh, Scotland. And then when I was eight, my father, who was a professor, got a job offer in Austin, Texas. And we were only supposed to stay for five years. This is the part where, I mean, you knew what you're getting with an oncologist on your podcast. This is where I bring the mood down. But when we moved, we actually found out he had cancer because when you move to the States, everyone has to get an x-ray, actually to exclude tuberculosis. But his actually showed essentially a large tumor in his chest. And so we landed in Austin, and within a couple of weeks, we had to find surgeons and doctors and that kind of stuff. Sort of a rude awakening to American healthcare. And, uh, <laughs> and then, um, we just ended up, ended up staying. We stayed for his treatment. And then, uh, when, when he passed away, I was a freshman in high school. My mother said, well, would you like to complete your education in Texas? And I said, sure. And then I actually met my uh, then girlfriend, now wife in high school and stayed in Texas for a college and medical school. So here I am. So wait, you're an immigrant. I am. I'm an immigrant. Yeah. Right. Are you a murderer or a rapist? <laughs> <laughs> He's not brown. Uh, it's so funny you say that because so ordinarily I speak like this, right? And so some people will go off, sometimes even, you know, people close to me on sort of anti-immigration rants. And I just kind of let them you know, get so deep into the argument they can't dig themselves back out. And then I remind myself <laughs> I'm an immigrant too. So, yeah, I think Hamilton's done a lot uh, for immigrants recently. You know, we get the job done. Uh, so that's been good, good press. But, yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, I, I think that... We've adopted a pretty isolationist policy even before COVID. Um, and I think a lot of people have seen, you know, their jobs get outsourced. And I think that globalization has soured people, um, some people to foreigners. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to go too far back to realize that this is a nation completely founded by and settled by immigrants. Uh, our history is not that long. So it strikes me sometimes a little bit hypocritical that that's the stance we would take. So are you a, uh, an American citizen now? I'm not actually. Yeah, I'm still a I'm still a UK citizen for the moment. But you know, Brexit could change all of that. It's a, <laughs> you think US yeah, you politics? You probably are have a hard time going back right now. I do. Yeah, actually, funnily enough, in an alternate universe, I'd be back there right now because we were going to go back uh, for a holiday and, and see my relatives. So mm-hmm. half half my relatives there are, are ministers. And teetotal, and the other half distill whiskey. <laughs> and so, That's awesome. We were, we were, we were going to go hang out with the whiskey distillers, 
Um, that's where I was supposed to be at the moment. Like uh, obviously, specific, I'm very happy to... like specific distiller? Yes. So uh, so on the island of Isla, so Lagavulin yes. and Lafroig and yes. Arbeg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. all very peaty All ones. the peaty ones, yeah, yes. that's right. <laughs> so I grew up with, with peat uh, in, my, in my nostrils. In fact, this is like a form of aversion therapy. So my cousin, who's a distiller at Lafroig, when I was about eight, he took me on a tour of the distillery. And I, he tipped my head and kind of dunked me, if you will, into like a fermenting vat. And I never, I didn't even touch whiskey until my thirties. That was, that was it. You know, I very just, effective. It's like yeah, when your parents Pete, like, you go smoke a pack of cigarettes and you stop smoking. Pete will do that. Pete will do for that. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. I, I wish you could see blind? how big I was smiling right now about this conversation. <laughs> come out of that. Am I supposed to be blind in that's, my eye? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's the ultimate test to, you know, the, with COVID, you lose your smell. I think the PT whiskeys are the like, ultimate test for whether you still have it or not. So. Oh, I'm not endorsing that officially. You no. should I'll get on your Twitter and <laughs> I've endorse got some, that. <laughs> I've got some 12-year Lafroig upstairs. So oh, my goodness. That. I'll just check daily. Okay, this is going to get even better. Huh? <laughs> that's awesome. That's, uh, yeah, that's good I like the conversations then. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> so what made you decide to go into medicine? Yeah, so again, not to you know uh, strike a, a sour note, but it was really my dad's experience. And so... My, his oncologist was really wonderful to me. So when my father passed, I was 14 years old. And uh, and my dad's oncologist and him had this like really close relationship, really bordering on friendship. Um, and so he said, well, listen, I'll take you under my wing and you can kind of work in my clinic whenever you want. So every summer I did that. I started as a, a medical assistant. I worked my way up to radiology tech, which basically just means you're exposed to x-rays all the time. Uh, and then uh, uh, I went to medical school. So it was just kind of that process. What part of Texas? Austin. Austin. Yeah. The good part. Oh, it, it, you know, There's one good part. I was saying to someone, it's like this little enclave in the state, right? It kind of feels like the Vatican City inside Rome, but, you know, much more fun. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It, those costumes are pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty the hats. Uh, but no, Austin was a great place to grow up. And again, that's where I met my wife. So I've got a really uh, strong connection to it. In fact, when we got married, uh, my father-in-law had always envisioned his son-in-law kind of marrying like a real Texan guy, like, you know, Dallas Cowboys quarterback kind of thing. And he got stuck with a skinny Scottish oncologist. So he was friends with the friends of the governor. So the governor made me an honorary Texan on my wedding day. That's awesome. Aww, that's which cool. is easily the most interesting thing on my resume. Yeah. What's the biggest thing you've eaten? <laughs> I tried one of those state contests once, but I didn't get anywhere you close really to finishing did? it. Yeah, yeah. It's, the odds are stacked against you, honestly. That's where I was born, is Texas. Is that so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, my uncle's from Texas, and so we, we go out there. And there's, have you ever heard of the Leona Steakhouse? Yes. Oh, yeah. The 96 oh, ounce gosh. steak. And there's only one person ever in that's history that's eaten it, and his pictures on the wall, but it's like from the 80s, <laughs> so it's like peeling and yellow, but right. nobody has. I have a bad, a bad feeling that guy's not with us anymore, you know? Probably. Not. He's a <laughs> I mean, any little dude, too. That's a six pound steak. Like, oh. how, how long does it take to process like a baby. that in your body? <laughs> It is. How, do, how, do, how is like a quarter of my family from Texas and I don't know about any of these things? There's, there is no way that passing that much red meat is I think my, my family's just from the poor side. He probably went outside and his stomach split and he died. Yeah. Like how many times did he throw up after that to try and like lessen the problem? That's, that's a lot of meat. 96 six, ounces of steak. Six, when do the meat sweats hit? Like two pounds? It's like, like on a, it's like on a cookie sheet. Yeah, it's huge. It's a big porterhouse. That's how all of those are. Like, I think I think Amarillo has one that's like 72 ounces, which is... Well, and at Leona, the cows are out back. I kid you not. The cows <laughs> Dude, are it like is, But they are not, they are not It's like we went on our them. cruise in Oregon and you get to have meat from the same. Oh, yeah, from Frank, the cow. <laughs> it's not, look, it's not, it's not like the Mediterranean place in South Salt Lake that was slaughtering the goats in the backyard. No, it's true. 
That really did happen. Well, and it's legal in Texas to slaughter your own right there. And very very farm-to-table of them, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> my, uh, my great-uncle and aunt actually own a steakhouse in uh, post-Texas. Oh, really? And, and it's got a slaughterhouse attached to the back of it. Wow. Do they eat coos? I hope not. No, they don't eat the Highland coos. Okay, uh, haggis, however, is like... I love haggis. It's grossly underrated. I and, love it so um, much. So my wife and I had a very romantic honeymoon in Scotland where we had a haggis dinner, and she even will admit to this day that it wasn't quite as bad as... She it's kind of like the slogan for Intermountain earlier, not as bad as Kaiser. <laughs> I guess not as bad as you think. Um, honestly, if, if you didn't tell people what was going into it, they would eat it quite happily. It's just the ingredient list is so famously macabre that people won't even touch it. Yet. Well, it's just like a hot dog. If you tell people what goes into Precisely, a hot dog, yeah. they're probably not yeah. going to eat it, but I eat it. That's been my argument for years. But yeah. here's the thing about haggis is you can eat it in so many different ways. I had it on a burger. Mm-hmm. I had it with eggs. I had it fried. Yeah. Like... Yeah. It's, like, it's like the kimchi of Scotland. Basically. <laughs> we're, all about, we're, yeah, we're all about... It's like the spam here. of Scotland. No, it's way better. <laughs> <laughs> so how often do you get to go back? Well, again, I would have gone back this summer if it wasn't for the, the pandemic. I, you know, when my kids were really young, we didn't go because transatlantic travel kind of scared us as parents. But now we've been probably three or four times in the last, say, five years. And I still have relatives there. Uh, and again, I have, you know, incentive to visit them, especially the, uh, the whiskey yeah. distillers. Uh, but no, it's been, it's been really cool to kind of see my kids grow up a little bit on both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah. So is your mom still? She's a very interesting woman. So when my uh, dad passed, uh, she hasn't remarried and she's kind of bounced around, uh, between Scotland and America. And just, we might get into Google and, and medical downfalls of Google in a minute, but I can tell you a relocation downfall is she Googled which state in America has the weather most like Scotland? And it lied to her. Frank lied to her, and she ended up in Wisconsin, <laughs> where she has remained. Um, and the climate there is nothing like Scotland. I think the closest you'd probably get would be like Pacific Northwest, like, like Oregon Seattle, Portland, or Washington. Yeah, yeah those places. But, um, and, and she's very happy in Wisconsin. I think she, at first, was like the only person in the entire state who had no idea who the Green Bay Packers were. Because um, <laughs> the, the house next to hers had like the cast classic, like, you know, green and gold paint job. And she just thought they had like very bizarre taste. Um, but yeah, so she's lived there almost 15 years now and kind of spent her time half there and half back in Scotland. So maybe Google just knew better than your mom. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it kind of, it's like, a, you know, just sense that that's where she was supposed to be. Yeah. It's actually been a great place for her to write, write out the pandemic because she's very rural and very protected. So. I, I mean, she that. could be in Chaz. <laughs> was, was there a, like a mutual decision between yourself and your, like who decided to be a doctor first? That's my question. Oh, you mean between me and my wife? Yep. Yeah. It was, I think I probably had it. Uh, in me just a little bit earlier just because of the kind of tragedy of my family but my wife came by it through like a combination of being really interested in science and just loving kids and pediatricians are like they're just such lovely people I don't know if I've ever mm-hmm. met like an unpleasant pediatrician because their bedside manner has to you know disarm these children to a certain you know degree and then allow you know them to be treated so pediatricians are by you know by and large and, and far and away the nicest doctors in medicine i think i love that term i'm gonna walk around when kids are freaking out and be like you need to disarm that child <laughs> <laughs> well and then there's like pediatric dentists i think yes. they're like they're along the same line oh my heavens too. yes yeah. my daughter was just there for dental work this morning and I, I was at work but apparently it was a complete nightmare so yeah i totally understand that yeah, um, I went to a pediatric dentist until I got married, and he was like, "Okay, you can't." You stop. gotta, you gotta switch dentists. No. Once you put a ring on it, you're done with the pediatric dentist. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, you're, you're kind of too old to come. He's really, that. he was really old fashioned though. So she was I still a kid until him. then. He was awesome. He actually would numb my gums with like the metal. Oh. 
Like, yeah. Oh, yeah I, not, I never even Not knew. just yours. He did that to the girls, too. Like, well, I, like five, ten years ago, I, he was I still doing that. I realize that. that but what I'm, like, yeah, like, he was just awesome. But he would tell you. He didn't sterilize either after each syringe. He <laughs> would tell you what he was doing. Because he was old and he had the shakes. Oh, he was he, so cool. No, he actually did have the shakes towards the end. So he brought in another guy to start he taking did. over the practice, like, slowly over several years. But that, he was super young and not as cool, so... <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a fear of the dentist. I love Good. going to the dentist. Wow. So I think there's something to be said for Old people that that specifically <laughs> specifically. Do something for children. You don't have the shakes, do you? No, I don't. That's good. Yep. I mean, because you can okay. take kids to like a family practitioner too. Like they'll see them too. But mm-hmm. there's something said for someone who is specifically there and they're geared. Yeah. To cater to your children. And again, this state is amazing. I mean, as you guys know, it's the, the youngest state in the nation, mm-hmm. which is, again, another reason I came here. I'm actually really interested in, again, I'm going to bring the mood down, but cancer in, in young people, mm-hmm. which is a particular problem here. Uh, likely, at least partly due to, to founder effect, you know, the, the settling families here were obviously a relatively small gene pool that then got magnified. And with that, you've kind of amplified uh, some very minor defects that have become more important as time goes on. So that's actually one of the reasons I came here, too. So we were both kind of interested in... I thought it was Magnus Water. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some of it... There probably is. Like, Daybreak and Magna, probably most of his patients come from there. (laughs) Well, how many times do they have to shut down the the Magna Water because there's a dead rat? Twice in a couple, just in the last few months. (laughs) So, from an oncology standpoint, like, it makes sense why you chose oncology. Is Is there a specific thing that you are passionate about in oncology, like a specific type of cancer? I mean, you said with young people. Yeah. So I guess kind of going along with the young onset, I'm really interested in hereditary cancer. So there's this brilliant formula by the author um, Siddhartha Mukherjee that says all cancer is genetics plus lifestyle plus triggers plus chance. Um, And the last part, I think, is what most people have a really hard time with is the idea is this is just like, you know, crapshoot and it's the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. But at the front of that, formula is the hereditary risk. And in fact, you know, I've inherited a hereditary risk of cancer from my dad, who inherited it in turn from my grandfather, and I've passed it on to my son. So again, I kind of come to it almost selfishly because it's affected my family, it's affected me. Um, and again, here, it's a bigger problem um, because again, your families here, I think, are uh, slightly more at risk than uh, maybe the uh, general U.S. population. Inbreeding is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Please do not misquote me on that. No. For, no. for the inbred listeners of the show, it's when, when you know, the reason they had multiple wives was to try and spread the gene pool, but then they started having sex with their cousins and their nieces and nephews. We'll break it down for and, you. You don't have to say it. I, I want you to know that even though I was born here, none of my family yeah. are from here. Yeah, I'm a transplant. And so is Jeremy. And yep. Jess, I don't know however. about Jess. <laughs> Don't worry. Hereditary the doctor cancer. and I already talked about my <laughs> my hereditary. We have, yeah, we've talked about your family earlier. Actually, yeah, so, right. yes. So, <laughs> so you're here in Utah. I mean, I'm I'm assuming you guys are going to stay for a while. You and your wife are both oh, here. We love it here, honestly. Like, and it's weird because if you went back five years, I was working at a pretty well known cancer center in Houston, MD Anderson, and I thought that was going to be like, you know, top of the mountain for my oncology career, and it just was not sustainable. Like, I was just working crazy hours. I wasn't seeing my kids. My wife, bless her, was actually running a, a federally qualified health center, so essentially care for the indigent, um, and she was doing it nights and weekends. Oh boy. Um, and I don't know if you really want to get into the whole anti-vax stuff, but I can tell you she was losing <laughs> money per vaccine. 
So the notion that pediatricians are somehow like paying for their yachts with kickbacks <laughs> on vaccines. I have never met a pediatrician with a yacht. Exactly. A yeah. A lot of doctors. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the stuff online is just absolutely ludicrous. Um, but regardless, um, as, as principled and noble as that was, I wasn't seeing her. And then this opportunity just came out of the blue and Intermountain wanted to hire both of us, you know, kind of a package deal. And we thought, well, let's come out to Salt Lake. We had to kind of sneak away for a three-day weekend because my then boss couldn't know I was here. We just fell in love with the place immediately. And it's been a wonderful place to raise a family. I want to stay here definitely until the kids are grown and probably beyond that. So, oh, go ahead, oh I was just, I was just going to ask about working for Intermountain versus yeah. like being someplace like the Huntsman Cancer yeah. Center. Yeah. Like, do you, is that like an ultimate goal or is there like a, a relationship between the two? Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great question. We're not the Bloods and the Crips. Okay. We get along pretty well. Um, <laughs> so. Well, actually, that's because you're both on the east side. <laughs> no, really all the hospitals I went to in Utah really, I think, worked. They do work pretty, pretty close well. together. Yeah. They're not Kaiser. The yeah. They're not Kaiser. I think, yeah. I think what I would say is Huntsman excels at sort of earlier phase research. So when you're first like experimenting with a drug, and this sounds awful, and obviously we let patients know, you're really trying to figure out, is it tolerable? That's the first thing we have to establish. And that requires a lot of testing and a lot of visits. And you can really only do that on site at a big central at Huntsman. I think Inner Mountain's strength is probably delivering cancer care in the community. Again, this is not an ad for Inner Mountain, but you know we stretch all across the state and into the surrounding states. And so we can kind of deliver cancer care when it's a little bit more developed. So I kind of look at us as a sort of a dyad there. Um, but yeah, it's been really satisfying to work for Intermountain to answer your question, Jess. And one thing I really like about it is, you know, when I was, when I was at MD Anderson, every single patient under the roof had cancer. Intermountain, obviously, I'm seeing the cancer patients, but we take care of every single medical problem and it's a much wider spectrum. And again, my wife does pediatrics and we kind of get to see, you know, from quail to the grave. She takes care of kids. My oldest patient's 106. Is she so, like, hey, I got a break. Come meet me in the hall. But look, everyone <laughs> dies from... It's not like Grey's Anatomy, believe me. Yeah. Everyone dies from... I'm uh, an ER girl. They had know. sex in the closet, too. Oh, my I'm goodness. Sure. closet. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> they make medicine look so glamorous on television. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that. Besides that, those hospital stair doors are always open, and there's always five million people yeah. there. I don't yeah. know how they ever yeah, they always in these... there, and there's nobody in the stairwell. I would run up and down the stairs at the hospital... And you're dodging people. Yeah, they, they show like these steamy trysts. It'd be, it'd be great, but I'm spending like five hours filling out insurance paperwork, you know? Yeah. So it's not nearly not nearly as, as sexy as it is on telly. So uh, in 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 the, the world of oncology in particular, uh, maybe pediatrics, she can speak to this, when, when COVID hit, so I'm, I'm in the medical space as well. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that has happened around the country is, you know, elective procedures were stopped yeah. at all the facilities. Yep. I mean, Intermountain was looking at a huge loss. Sure. And probably took a big hit. It did. Um, because that's what sustains most hospitals is, is those elective procedures. So they stop all of that stuff. How does that impact? Because oncology is not really the same thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Like oncology yeah, is like stop. long-term care and, and things like chemo and radiation Just therapy. Just put that and, cancer on hold for a minute. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, that, that was a real concern. So thankfully, our leadership was, uh, again, very savvy to that and said, listen, oncology is an essential service that will continue regardless. So I, thankfully, I can report there were very few interruptions in care. Um However, you bring up a really interesting point. I don't know if you guys were familiar with the film your hospital movement that made the rounds a couple months ago. It was this horrible notion that you should go to your hospital and take a picture of the parking lot and post it. And somehow the fact that there were fewer cars was proof that this was all a hoax. Um, and, and frankly, we're a little bit 
um, hamstrung in medicine because, of course, like we can't go around like posting pictures of all of our patients, like their confidentiality yeah. is sacrosanct. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons this pandemic is being so underestimated is, to be very blunt, like a lot of the death is happening behind closed doors, mm-hmm. in ICUs and in hospital morgues, and we're not seeing the body count. And so ba- patients kind of get whisked away, and then you don't see them again. Um, and I think that's been part of the problem. Thankfully, we're in a little bit. Uh, you can argue it's too relaxed, but we're in a little bit of a window right now where we're catching up on the backlog of the stuff that really was elective. You know, people that, for instance, needed a hip replacement, something like that. Uh, but really, the the super essential things, it, it's kind of interesting. We, we sort of figured out in medicine what's, what is absolutely necessary and what is you know, semi-urgent and then what can wait. That's kind of been the triage process. It's almost like we could do socialized medicine. Well, no, because if you socialize medicine, people have to wait for stuff. Yeah, the, the waiting yeah, the non-essential yeah. stuff that you can put off. <laughs> it's almost like we figured out how to categorize them and, yeah, and amazing. enable people to get those procedures when yeah. it's safe to do so. One thing I will say that's been really cool, that maybe the silver lining of the pandemic that I hope will continue, has been telehealth. So being able to sort of FaceTime in a uh, secure fashion with my patients. And I've had a wonderful experience with a woman up in Idaho where I kind of videoed into her her house. And it felt like a, like a virtual house call. And uh, we were talking and I was asking about symptoms. And all of a sudden, like into the frame, there was a cow. And uh, <laughs> I've never had that happen in a, in a visit before. And she was like backed onto a farmyard. It was really, it was lovely. It was actually really cool to see into someone's home because the pendulum of medicine has swung so far away from the home-based visit to like clinics and hospitals. And actually, I think we're probably going to end up being somewhere in the middle after all this is over. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Telehealth. Cause, so what we saw from a private practice standpoint was visit counts just dropped dramatically. I mean, we had uh, some of our primary care, urgent care facilities, 50% drop yeah. in visits for two months. Yeah. Like, no one was going to the doctor because they were all terrified. Uh, or just not getting sick because, you know, we weren't passing around regular germs. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so most of that That's is, true. most of that is kind of picked back up now, but there are other practices. I mean, you take like a, like an otolaryngology office mm-hmm. that is, or an orthopedic office that yes. is almost 100% elective procedures. Yep. Those guys just shut down. That's exactly right. It's been, you know, I'm, in a weird way, and, and I say this very carefully because I know it's been brutal on the economy. I've had this sort of perverse job security because, like you said, cancer never stopped. In fact, I was having to be even more careful, of course, with my people on treatment. So as a quick diatribe, um, if you don't mind me using your platform. So you can't really tell these days just by looking at someone, A, whether they have cancer, or B, more importantly, whether they're even on chemo. Because mm-hmm. one of the myths about chemo is that it renders you completely ill, and you're vomiting, and you go bald, and none of those things is actually necessarily true. And so I would just encourage, I mean, your audience, of course, is great, but I just encourage people to think about not just themselves, but others, you know, when they're going out. Uh, and this whole, like, mass debate strikes me as a little bit um, selfish because you can you can stand for your own civil liberties, but you also have to think about your, your fellow man. And um, another great, well, I'm not a great Scotsman, but a great Scotsman, uh, John Stuart Mill, wrote that really the only time you can exercise power over a citizen is if they're going to harm somebody else. That's, mm-hmm. like, his, like, defining harm principle. Um, and I think that's what we have to follow now, honestly. Like, I think... I don't, I don't really want there to be government mandates, but if people are going to be this sort of, again, cavalier with other people's health, I think there has to be some sort of intervention. Well, I, it, it's, it goes back to me to the no shoes, no shirt, no shoes. Yeah. 
exactly. That is a culturally accepted thing. It's right. not a mandate anywhere. Like right. The government has it issued that mandate. Yes. But every business has that rule, and with the exception of Walmart, they pretty much all enforce it. <laughs> right? Like, if you go into a normal store and you're not wearing a shirt, they're yeah. going to ask you politely to leave. Well, yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, your freedom of speech stops when you yell fire in a crowded theater kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, when there's a public health issue at stake, like, you know, some there have to be some checks and balances to that. So... Um, but what about like people that wear a mask but you know uncover their nose? <laughs> well, you've just or, uncovered your nose and your mouth. Yeah. So I just walk around the store oh, like this. This I is protective, right? Yeah. Is, or, or cut a hole in the mask. Yeah. 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 Or, like, <laughs> how about the homemade masks with like the uh, the made out of like the baby wipes or the wet wipe <laughs> containers that have the thing? Open it up and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> so I'll see a couple of things about the mask. You know, there's been a lot of like and and I've actually had pretty. Um, sometimes fervent arguments on Twitter about this recently. You don't you know, say. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's let's back up. Yeah. This is what happened. Sure. You you posted something on June twenty fourth. Uh-huh. What was I want to know the thought process of like how this came to be because it did sure. go viral. You've had uh, twenty one thousand likes. Uh-huh. It's pretty incredible. I mean, it's just you know everyday oncology stuff. You know? so, right. So it said, and and I did, we did read it last week. Yeah. But just a reminder, in case somebody didn't listen to last week, um, few. I was worried my CO two levels would be high after wearing my mask all day in clinic, which I assume you do every day do. that yep. you work all day. Um, but then I remember I have lungs, kidneys, <laughs> homeostasis, at least a rudimentary understanding of human physiology. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. So so um, so a lot of people say you know. I can't wear a mask because it's going to impair my gas exchange, right? I have asthma. Yeah, exactly. And and so here's I the, don't, but oh, that's right, but you know, that's one, says, one right. examples. Yeah. So there's a couple of things I'll say there. Number one is you can't have it both ways with the mask, meaning that you can't say that the mask is you know too porous to allow in the virus, but it's also trapping gas. That makes absolutely no sense, right? Even on like a physics level, right? So you can't you can't say that. Secondly, um, you know, our bodies. What I was really getting at the tweets, our, our bodies like do our best to keep us alive sometimes in spite of ourselves, okay? And one of my favorite reactions, which I think you also quoted last week, was some guy was like, you know, what do the kidneys have to do with it, you quack? And, um, <laughs> it was the best. Yeah, and I was no, like, but well, It wasn't his comment. It was your response. Yeah, I was like, well, actually, they have quite a lot to do with it as it happens. <laughs> um, anyway, so like our, like our body pH is, is so tightly regulated, there's almost nothing you can do to throw it off. So, um, and, and then the follow-up to that, which we might be getting to, is you know, people are like, well, your oxygen level will drop. And again, you, you're right. So, People will ask for like a, a trial of this. I'll argue medicine has been in an ongoing study of this now for well over a century and a half. Like we've understood germ theory since about 1847. <laughs> and this is mind blowing. You know, the, the discovery back then was, hey, when you're delivering kids, you might want to wash your hands. That was literally like yeah. the, the mind blowing <laughs> discovery. And they, they took that poor guy. Ignaz Semmelweis, and they basically convinced him he was a fool, and he ended up sort of in an insane asylum of like self-doubt, which is awful. And then you know Joseph Lister, from whom we get Listerine, he sort of figured out you know antimicrobial uh, prophylaxis around surgeries. So my point is, for that length of time, surgeons, to your point, have been doing long procedures wearing. I mean, would you want your surgeon to operate on you without a mask? I don't well, think I've, so. I've, I've got uh, hand surgeons that I dealt with in Kentucky that yeah. did. The first time I met them, they were coming off a 17-hour procedure, yes, yes. a double hand transplant yep. surgery that they did. Like 10 dudes, Yep. The, that's the physicians, that's not including all the nursing staff in an OR right. with masks exactly. on the whole time. You're exactly. standing, you're under light, yep. Yep. air conditioning might not be working properly. Yeah. Like There's so many factors and you guys do it. 
every day. Someone passes out from lack of oxygen. Precisely. Or or from too much carbon dioxide, right? Because carbon dioxide is essentially almost like an intoxicant. So as it as it rises, your your thinking gets muddied and you wouldn't be able to pull off like a really skillful procedure like that. So it just it flies in the face of years and years of medical convention. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't want to come across as completely dismissive of folks that are anxious to wear the mask. I mean, no one really likes the way it feels. And there are some people with genuine respiratory conditions. But it's also funny, like, people looked at me and were like, oh, well, you can st- tolerate wearing the mask because you're young and healthy. I actually had a blood clot in my lung earlier this year. I've had a history of cancer myself. I was like, well, you know, that's an interesting, you know, that you would jump to that conclusion too. Right. And again, you can't, well, I'm really getting at again, is you can't look at someone and know what their health problems are. Well, we just recently found out that my 20-year-old daughter has the lungs of a 50-year-old. Oh, gosh. And she was only diagnosed with asthma, what, two years? So she was yeah, diagnosed while she was down at... Yeah. Oh, dear. And she's a CNA. Yeah. And she says, there are some times when it's really hot, and I have the, the shield and the, you know, yeah. where I'm kind of like... And, and she's like, and I go out and I have to take it off and just take a breath for a minute and whatever. But I think that's a common... That's not just like it's... She's hot. Yep. She can't breathe that well. She doesn't really well, not, eat all that great because she's 20. So sometimes she just doesn't eat. Right. You know, she's not drinking water like she should. Sure. Um, she's stressed out. It's a newer job. You know, like there's a whole bunch of other things. And she's like, I just kind of go out, take a breath. But I think go back in. I think in general, the, the problem people have when they wear a mask is you're not used to breathing in a in yep. a close space people that don't warms. breathe correctly yeah. i actually so, had to learn how to breathe yeah. so you're breathing warm air which uh, is yes. true as air full of co2 yep exactly which is not really the case that's precisely right and, and the other thing is the main thing they're doing like not all of us have to be wearing medical grade masks all the time in fact i don't think we should it's just a barrier you know mm-hmm. and if i can make a slightly salacious reference here like <laughs> you know barrier contraception is not entirely effective right uh, abstinence only right. Please. <laughs> We're in Utah. We're in Utah exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it does cut down on, you know, pregnancies and, uh, and STDs, right? So, you know, this whole argument that the mask has to be foolproof to wear it is, again, kind of ludicrous. If we could even, you know, decrease, you know, the transmission by, you know, several, you know, fold, I think we're doing a huge favor, again, not just to the individual, but to the public. So back to your point about how you wear the mask, you know, think of it like a physical barrier, because it's really interesting, even though N95s, which are like our industry standard, they will go down and exclude something like 0.3 micron particles, but the virus itself is about 0.1. So the way N95s work is really interesting. So A, it's like a physical barrier. B, it actually has an electromagnetic charge, so that, that kind of captures the virus. And C, the virus actually doesn't travel in a, st- in a straight line. I think people like envision like it going through like Swiss cheese. It actually moves, you know, it has Brownian motion. It moves with like a trajectory of like a respiratory droplet. So actually the N95 masks are incredibly effective. And even like just having a basic face covering is better than nothing. Yeah, I was. I don't. I don't remember. I was walking through the other day because one of the the big first comments when masks came out was about having, um, like mask breath or like smelling your own breath. And I was just like, how bad is people's dental hygiene? <laughs> and this, just occurred, this was just the other day that I was I thinking say, about this. I was like, I don't. That's a problem. Smelling your own burps when you've got a little bit of indigestion, not good. Well, you know, it's like. Dutch ovens. I don't know. I don't do that. <laughs> but, but and, and the mask protects me from that. 
Because there's a thing that's a distance, and it's got to come through. Uh, it's, our, it's our halitosis self-awareness campaign. Is what's yeah, going on? Yeah. Well, and I wear, and this is a this is actually a pollution mask that's but designed got to a, run. So but it's, it's got, got a charcoal filter. Char- yeah, there's yep. a charcoal. It's yep. designed exactly. to block. So whenever I put this on, it actually smells good inside. <laughs> but I was going to say when I was talking about breathing, I'm I'm completely and totally serious. Most of us do not breathe properly. Yeah. We take very shallow breaths. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, if you are that kind of a person, which I would, I would bet the majority of the population is, you have to sometimes take yeah. deep, like you're breathing, you're, you're starting to breathe too so- shallow. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you tell someone when they calm down? You say, you know, take a deep breath, and there really is something about that. You know, in the hospital, often after surgery, um, obviously this more extreme scenario will actually give people this little kind of plastic mm-hmm. tubing, the incentive spirometer. I, I, couldn't, I, have, I think I have like three of those. Yeah. yeah, and the hospital doesn't let me go after surgery because mine is always solo. Oh, so. no. Yep. Oh, dear. Yeah, but you know, the whole idea there is to again, recruit more of the little, tiny little bubbles, the alveoli in the lung, and get air flowing again. It's, it's just a, get it's a good thing. Get that little thing up to the top. That's right, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Sweet pulse oximeters that keep me awake because <laughs> I have sleep apnea in the hospital huh. and I don't sleep well anyway, and then it's like... <laughs> That Beep. was awful. Beep. Like, can you just like, with turn you. the sensitivity down? It wakes me up every two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's just trying to keep you alive. <laughs> now that's trouble breathing, and there was yeah. no mask there. No, that was that was oxygen going straight into my lungs, and I still had pulse ox problems. And yeah. um, do you find that your passion for all of this, and and I I haven't totally like. Twitter stalked you to see how far back this like awesomeness goes. She's a liar. She totally has. I haven't actually, (laughs) but I will. Um, Does your passion come like for your patients or just because of people's pure stupidity? Oh, that's very well. Oh, it's both. To be honest with you, like until the pandemic hit, I don't know if I ever really had. I think I was profoundly lucky. I don't know if I ever had a real like negative interaction on Twitter because I think a lot of people kind of pitied me because I'm a patient as well. Uh, it's pretty difficult to come out and say I'm against cancer patients. That's not a, that's not a strong stance. Um, and actually, the way I gained a lot of followers, so it's so funny. Like now, med students will like slide into the DMs and be like, "How did you get a following?" And I'll be like, "Well, actually, I live broadcast my own pancreatic surgery in 2017, and then I never hear from them again." But it's true. So I kind of started really as a, as a patient physician because I'm always the patient first. But to answer your question, I, I would say in the last couple of months, and this is this is true, I've seen a very disturbing trend of kind of coming after medical authorities and sort of questioning our know-how or making us out to be egotists um, or, again, being in some sort of grand conspiracy, like this is all hoax to you know bring down the government, you know, to which I point out, you know, there's a lot more to the world than, thankfully, than the U.S. election cycle. And this is clearly happening in other countries, too. Mm-hmm. You know, the hydroxychloroquine thing is really interesting because... It's not happening in China. <laughs> oh, dear. Stopped. They stopped it dead in October. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people that are now like thumping their chest about hydroxychloroquine, and I'm not trying to be too glib here, probably didn't even know about the drug, you know, before March. And it just became like this political football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of my <laughs> yeah. most like governor of Utah. <laughs> yeah, one of my most vicious attacks happened this last weekend because I questioned the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine. And, you know, people are just they're anchored on that drug. You know, I'm, I'm part of the research team at Intermountain. We had at one point 36 different studies for treatments for COVID. And we just shut down hydroxychloroquine because it was completely futile. We weren't seeing any effectiveness. In fact, we were seeing some mild harms. So it's really been an interesting time, Jess. And I think that um, it's easy to come across as like some know-it-all doctor and no one knows it all. I mean, 
None of us even knew about this virus seven months ago, right? I believe you are an over-educated egoist. Yes, exactly. exactly, that's exactly yeah. Someone <laughs> I think, accused me of using like big words or something. And, um, you know, I, maybe I'm guilty of that. But, you know, one of the things in medicine is we do have terminology for a reason. There's lots of complicated things that we need to describe. That said, when you're having a dialogue on Twitter, you kind of have to walk the line between, you know, your expertise and then your ability to communicate. And so some of the reason that I'm like silly and occasionally um, sort of jokey on, on Twitter is that I want people to see doctors as human beings. Like I want them to see us as like a full person. We're not just like some sort of like, especially in my case, we're not like a chemo dispensing robot. But the problem is when you start to show some of your personality, then it can be misconstrued as unprofessional and kind of give people some bait to go after you. So that's kind of the tightrope I think doctors on Twitter are walking right now. Well, there's two, there's other things too. There's like, there's some doctors that are still anti-mask, which is yeah. weird to me. Yeah. But I don't, I would never presume as someone who has not gone to any sort of medical school to tell you anything. <laughs> well, it, like and, there might be a few, like there might be something that I, you know, a, some person, very, very personal, like, oh, I know this because it actually happened, happened to, to me. me. Exactly. Yeah. But other than that, like, no. Yeah. I think it's, it's tough because again, you know, not too long ago, like we were in the age of paternalism, right? Like you would come to the doctor's office and I would tell you what to do. And that was like the accepted paradigm. And then in the last, I think probably 20 or 30 years, thankfully it shifted really to respect. Yeah, exactly. So the internet's like the best and the, and the worst thing that's ever happened in medicine, right? WebMD. Yeah, exactly. WebMD. Exactly. <laughs> my favorite. And we're then, all hypochondriacs. Yeah, right? By the way, you should be really happy with WebMD because literally everyone has cancer. <laughs> <laughs> You live long Actually, enough. My big will. toe hurts. Well, it could be a broken toe. It could be an abrasion. It's probably could be brain cancer. cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully I've not had too many referrals from WebMD, but I know what you mean. Um, yeah, so yeah, but no, Doctor Google is great. Like, like we've, we, we've kind of, kind of leveled the playing field, but the problem is it's it's confirmation bias, right? Like, whatever you type into Google, you're probably going to get something back that reinforces your own belief. Um, and so I think that's where people kind of get led astray. And right now, there's just so much. Um, misinformation that I sort of view our role as, as curating. So I, from time to time, I probably should do it more often. I try to like like post like a primary source. Um, and there again, we run into trouble because a lot of our medical journals are paywalled mm-hmm. and the general mm-hmm. public can't get to them. And that makes us look elitist. It's actually the medical publication industry. But that's that's kind of the part of the problem. So the, the information that's more accessible, therefore, might be less reliable. But also as a layperson, like how, how do you feel you can go and read you know, a medical journal yeah. that has, you know, all of the scientific names and yeah. the the breakdowns of the chemicals and yeah. like, yeah, I just uh, I don't understand why people think that they other can in those journals. Like, if you're not reading the what they're referring to right. for the studies, right. yep, it's very very referential. And for instance, the whole problem with this most latest hydroxychloroquine stuff is that it looks like a really promising study, but then when you drill down. You find that the people that got hydroxychloroquine were also twice as likely to get steroids. And we learned just last month that steroids are actually probably the most helpful thing in COVID. So it's this really tricky thing to. to but you must be wrong disentangle. because things don't ever change. <laughs> That's right. That's the other argument is that like people act like science is like we're, we're given the answers on like stone tablets and that's it. But again, if that was the case, our knowledge would be frozen in, in the past and it's constantly evolving. There is a whole group of people, the flat earthers. Yeah. 
That's right. That's that's where they stop. And I think you know, again, it's it's tough because I know the public, and especially like public health policy, is relying on us. But there's only so fast you can go. It's actually kind of amazing in my mind how much we know about this virus, given that it's only been in existence as best we know for about seven months. Yeah. Um, and I know things aren't going nearly fast enough. Like people want like reliable testing and they want a vaccine. Well, the president said we'd have a vaccine by June. Yeah. Well, it turns out vaccines are kind of trickier than but that. But this, this is the thing, right? So they they this is, and I, I hope this is something that changed positive from a pandemic like this is they've been trying to create a more universalized vaccine specifically for coronavirus and for SARS type viruses yep. for years. Yep. But they're severely underfunded because no one wants to pay for research for prevention of something that hasn't happened. But let's, I'm just, this is from Michael Aaron, who's, who is from QSL Lake magazine. He posted this a couple hours ago. He said, let this sink in. 40 years after the beginning of HIV and AIDS, hope of potential cure is found in the results of one man trial. 40 years. That's, I mean. (laughs) Yeah. And you make an excellent point. They're actually the only member of the coronavirus family that we're even close to having a vaccine in is MERS, the mm-hmm. Middle East mm-hmm. Respiratory Syndrome. And that's only because the uh, our military, who have obviously deployed troops there, was interested in having a vaccine. So Walter Reed, I think, is in like their second phase of that vaccine, but that's it. Like Nowhere else in the coronavirus family do we have a vaccine. That's why the common cold is a thing. Those are four coronaviruses that are closely related to, but obviously different than SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, yeah, and and people don't like they just don't fund that kind of research, right? And it's also not something you can magic up in a lab. No, and even if you could, there was a recently you guys probably saw this a disturbing poll that said like roughly half of Americans would take a vaccine if one was available, and the other half yeah. wouldn't because they don't want to be you know experimented on. And that makes me think it's going to take ages for us to get to herd immunity because either you get a vaccine. Or you actually get the infection and you have some I think we should just have, I think we should have COVID nineteen parties like we did chicken pox parties back in the eighties. <laughs> like at the University of Alabama, allegedly, yeah. Yeah. I I just you know, <laughs> those are a bunch of idiots right there. I, I just don't I, I don't understand those types of things from people, the anti vaxxer stuff. I, the the problem is the internet because yeah. you can get Confirmation, like you said, confirmation yeah. bias from yeah. from anywhere. I think the vaccine stuff in particular. I do. I, my heart goes out to parents because you know, obviously, you only want your child to have the best of health, and I think there's just been this faulty cause and effect, uh, often stoked by you know celebrities like Jenny McCarthy. So as, as a as a very sad sign, my wife my wife goes to these pediatric conferences, and I think everyone she's gone to for like the last ten years, they've basically had like a session on how do you counter you know, the popular anti-vax, you know, media. And Jenny McCarthy is very media savvy. She is. And, um, and I know she's like silently retracted some of her stuff, but the damage is done. And so I think what's happened is, you know, a developmental delay or autism happens. And probably that child got vaccines when they were an infant. And there's just this, you know, it's natural that you try to connect the dots, but I just don't think it's there. Rob, yeah. S- Rob Snyder has not retracted just for the record. Well, he's an idiot to begin <laughs> with. So it's not like... Jenny McCarthy is someone that people are like, oh, she's like someone. She's still relevant. She has a show on Sirius XM. She's part of the mask. Like she's still out there. So that's good that she is. I was on a plane once and I made the mistake like in the first two minutes of introducing myself to my seatmate. And then they're like, oh, you're a doctor. And then they literally handed me like a copy of her book. And I basically had it read to me for the rest of the flight. It was really painful. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I don't know. That's. Intense. <laughs> <laughs> no. What so, po- I, I just want to know at what point are you like, like, no, I can't. I, yeah, I like, I, I don't know if, did I tell this story last week about running into the guy at Walmart and the life flight pilot? I don't think so. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I'm, 
I'm an eavesdropper, by the way, in case you want to know anything about me. I was walking through Walmart to get supplies for a cake that I had, I had to make, which, by the way, Nutella, out everywhere, whatever. Um, That's because everyone's uh, smearing it on no, their No, actually, their apparently one of the, the plants had a, had, a, had a breakout, So, but I didn't know that. So three stores later, I'm walking through Walmart down the baking aisle. There's a Life Flight pilot and a gentleman that, you know, I don't want to stereotype, but he was clearly very... That all these type of people that we're talking about, <laughs> and Did he has a red hat on. No, he wasn't wearing a hat, but I but I overheard they were talking about the election, mm-hmm. and so you know they it was very heated, and and they were talking about Burgess Owens, and they were talking about voting for the governor, and blah blah blah, and the life flight pilot was very agree like agreeable and this guy was like i'm just terror he used the word terrified i'm terrified we're gonna turn into you know a, a blue state and blah, blah, blah all this stuff and after the guy left i turned around and i said i'm just gonna be honest i was just standing here the whole time eavesdropping <laughs> looking at the show <laughs> <laughs> and he you know he said you know the conversation started because I have my shirt on and the guy came up to me and asked why I wasn't wearing a mask. And he said, I wear a mask all day. He said, this is just my time just for a few minutes not to wear a mask. And, and, you know, and then we talked and it was just funny because he clearly didn't lean as far as this guy did probably like your seatmate. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you could have just been like, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But yeah, it's just very interesting. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's kind of a sick cosmic joke that this is happening to us in an election year. I think it's just politicized everything. And, um, you know, it's it's just a a sad time for our country because the other thing I would say is, you know, I think it's been a real battle between... um, federalism and states rights and it's kind of like who who's going to take the blame next you know if the if the state's response is inadequate then it's very easy to blame the federal government and vice versa and it's just been it's this crazy patchwork because the virus doesn't know state lines doesn't know city limits um it can it can pass very very easily and you get these super spreaders too people are remarkably effective unfortunately at spreading it so and you don't typhoid mary that's right that's exactly right so and frankly like my biggest fear is i don't want to be a a vector to my patients. So I so appreciate you guys, you know, letting me wear a mask in here and I hope I don't screw up your audio, but you know, like my, my population is very compromised, right? Mm-hmm. And I know how badly compromised they are because I see their blood counts and I'm often the one responsible, but it's just really, that's what I think really stokes my, um, fire. And this is a lot of the kind of the arguments I get into Twitter where normally I'd be, you know, reserved and letting it go is I really want people to know it's not just about you. It's about everyone out there. This thing can spread very, very easily. You know, the R naught is over two. So every one infected person can infect at least two others. Interestingly, my wife thinks, as a pediatrician, she thinks that adults are more likely to give it to kids than the other way around. So for a while, we were kind of worried that the reservoir in Utah was the children, who thankfully, for the most part, are asymptomatic. But as it turns out, and this is a little bit gross, uh, adults can cough more forcefully than kids can. Mm-hmm. And so just in terms of droplets, um, it's probably adults to kids rather than the other way around. So, um, and they fall down on them. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like a rainfall of COVID. Yeah. And so like, but like you're, yeah. you're a little kid and you're coughing at something exactly. you need. Yeah, like, yeah. And aren't those slow motion? Justin, mo- I have to worry about it though. But everybody <laughs> else true. is fine. It's those true. like slow motion videos of guys like coughing and sneezing. It's really, it's, How it's, far I, it goes exactly. It's eye opening, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. That's fake. That's fake news. <laughs> fake news. Oh my God. Dress your off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know that I don't believe that. So what's been the what's been the biggest thing you've learned about being more active in a place like Twitter? Yeah, um, pluses and minuses, right? Like um, on the plus side, there's like a ton of and, and I'm actually glad this is coming to light. There's a ton of mental health issues 
with healthcare workers right now. Um, there's actually just a study I, I read today where oncologists in particular are more depressed, more anxious. Uh, but really, that's any specialty you could possibly pick. And so Twitter is great, I think, when you can find a community. So there's this hashtag MedTwitter. It's tens and hundreds of thousands of doctors and nurses and PAs, and it's just awesome. And it's largely supportive. The downside, again, is people coming and, and kind of threatening your credentials and like some guy like tagged your my kids yeah, and my kids. Yeah. So some guy like last weekend was again, the first troll I've ever blocked on Twitter. And I learned my lesson. I, I try to engage with them because my feeling is that just like, you know, you might have teachers that said, you know, you start with an A and then you kind of work your way down. My feeling is you start with my respect and then you lose it. Um, and this guy who is in healthcare, actually in uh, IT, um, just really came at me hard and tagged my employer, tagged my CEO, which was rather unwise because then legal department got involved. Um, and then came after my children, which is just, that's the red line for me. That's, you've, you've crossed it there. So I, making yourself vulnerable to this, you know, ad hominem nonsense. And then again, my wife and my wife's not on Twitter. My kids didn't sign up for this. Like I don't want them dragged into my argument. So I think that's been the real downside for me. Have you heard of TikTok? Strange <laughs> <laughs> to say that. One of my buddies is a is a gynecologic oncologist at Brown University. His name's Don Dizon. I'll give you his name later. And he is famous for doing these like little dance videos on TikTok. I'm not going there. There's no way I'm going there. That's not my medium. There's there's so I, I bring it up because I actually follow a few um, doctors of various ilks on TikTok uh-huh. to watch their videos because there's there's ones that do like interesting facts about different things in life. There's a foot doctor that I follow. She's like a really young uh, podiatrist. Uh-huh. Um, but that's a great medium as well to share that kind of stuff and, and do fun things and let the Chinese government spy on you. But it's also, Not for it, long. It, it, it might be the easiest platform, though, for people to turn around and say, look at this doctor acting in a frivolous fashion, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and again, I think there's this notion that we're all like you know, just robots in white coats and Again, like I said earlier, I, I actually want people to see us as, as people, especially as an oncologist. Like everyone's terrified to come see me. Right. Um, I, I think it's important that they know on some level that, yeah, I'm, I'm a human being. Hopefully I'm approachable and you can talk to me. But, and, and TikTok, I think is the best example of doctors kind of letting their guard down. But again, that just makes them vulnerable if you want to attack their credibility. What about Instagram? Are you on Instagram? Uh, very, very seldom. There's actually this, there's actually a very interesting rise of the medical student, uh, who gets like a figs, uh, scrub modeling contract. So there's this whole like subgenre now of med students that have grown up as digital natives and they basically monetize this. I mean, all part of them, as far as I'm concerned, they monetize their med student experience on Instagram and basically pay for med school. That's an awesome way to do it. It's, it's pretty better, amazing. It's better than stripping. <laughs> That's actually pretty Probably. incredible. I mean, it's yeah. very, it's very similar type of idea, right? Yeah. So. That's incredible. That's ingenious. It's better than and, and they're learning how and they're learning how to run a business of sorts, which is something that they don't teach doctors in med school. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. So there's, I often tell my patients, there's the business of of uh, healthcare, and there's a practice of medicine, and they are almost completely divorced. I actually tweeted today. There's this guy who sits outside my office, and his whole job is to talk to insurance companies and authorize drugs and appeal drugs. I read that one. And I was like, th- I realized today this guy is in hell. This is like the worst job I can possibly imagine because, you know, I've, I've been taught to practice a certain way and it's lifelong learning. It's constantly evolving. The problem is the insurance companies don't always keep up with the pace of progress. So I can make, in my mind, a very reasonable, you know, recommendation what I learned last week. And their guidelines may be, you know, years out of date. And then we have to do this really silly delay in the patient's care, which well, is beyond silly, actually. It's potentially harmful. In, in your specialty in right. particular, because right. 
there are new breakthroughs yes. coming constantly. Yep. And and in insurances, especially in the drug space, are horrendously yeah. slow. They, they have to be far more agile. And again, it's it's not my time that's being wasted. Um, it's really the patients who are on the clock, and a lot of them don't have that time. You know, that's what's most um, disturbing. So every now and then, I've also used my sort of bully pulpit to take down an insurance company. Well, um, and you're put in a position as a physician. Did you just call it a bully pulpit? I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you're put in a nice. You're put in a position as a physician of say that five you, times fast. Uh, position as a physician. <laughs> <laughs> But you're you're placed in a spot where you have to go. Okay, well, this is the best care for the patient. Yep. Or I can give them this thing that was ten years ago. The insurance approves, right. Right. and they can actually afford the care. Right. And the other thing that they'll do is fairly capriciously kind of change the rules. Is like they move the goalposts. Yeah. So one thing that happened um, with an insurance company recently is so the new wave of, of treatment in oncology is immunotherapy, mm -hmm. right? So training your immune system to see your cancer as the enemy. It's almost like an auto vaccine. So it does require typically infusions to do that, and they're not always safe at the beginning. And so I think about June 24th, we got a kind of letter from one of the insurance companies saying, you won't be able to give this in your clinic anymore as of July 1st. That's a week, okay, to figure out what we're going to do with these people and in the middle of a pandemic. And I just thought it was completely heartless and really um, the opposite of, of thinking about the patient experience because now we have to give it at home, which in some ways obviously is more convenient, but in other ways is much more dangerous. And we didn't have the logistics really set up to do that. So I just it, it's just hard to sort of play the game, especially when you know that your patient's lives are at stake. Boy, if we could socialize some medicine <laughs> and make it so we don't have to play these so games. So weird. I, I just don't know how that would work in all of the rest of the world. Be, be quiet, Marxist. <laughs> yeah, Burgess Owens came on our show and called us all Marxists. <laughs> Unbeknownst to him. But <laughs> he thought that that was a really bad insult. We we have one more question for yes. you. I mean, you've said you love Utah. Yeah. I mean, it's no Scotland. It's right. close. No, no, no. It's fantastic here. Yeah. It's almost. Yeah. Speaking of Scotland, real quick, have you ever watched Father Ted? Because oh yeah, Father Ted's insane. great. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the Irish minister is so, fantastic. Our friend up here, Peter from Ireland, is the one that turned. He's a landscape architect from he Ireland. Is. He turned. Oh, right. he, did, he did like the French Peace Garden. And ba oh, wow. basically, Ireland and Scotland are the same place. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a really quick Irish anecdote before I answer your question. So. I, I had I gave a talk in Dublin uh, last year, and uh, after the talk, we all retired to this basement bar. And it was really, really dark, and it was mood lit with these candles. It was very, very like packed in. And so, as the evening progressed, I got farther and farther to the wall. And so this Irish gentleman goes, "Oh, Doctor Lewis, I'm I'm so sorry to have to tell you this, but I think you've set yourself on fire." And sure enough. My jacket was up against <laughs> the candle on the wall, and I'm literally on fire at this point. And it was just the way he said it to me. It was like the way you'd like break so the news gentle. to like a kid that like you know Santa wasn't coming. I said, "Oh, daughter, Liz, I'm so." I was like, Could you "Maybe act with some that urgency might have here." Been more, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, stop, drop, and roll action. So, um, but yes. Um, so I think you're going to ask me what's my favorite thing about Utah. Is that right? Yeah, the one thing. The one thing you to do. Yeah, bear with that. Yeah. So I am. Uh, I'm completely um, amazed by the variation in the landscape here. And so um, just last month, my family and I went down to the uh, coral pink sand dunes oh, outside no. Zion. And my son, who's nine, so if he ever goes into like extreme sports, like the X Games, I'll know this was the moment because... <laughs> 
he was sand surfing down a dune in the middle of a hailstorm and it just came upon us and he was having an absolute blast. He looked like, you know, Kelly Slater and, you know, Tony Hawk put together and he was just having the time of his life. And I thought, what a place this is. And then we went to Zion, which was incredible and just had, just had a great time. So I think you have to get out and see the national parks and see the, the wonder. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us and having a nice long conversation yeah. about stupid people. Um, What's the final, and, final words of yeah. wisdom? Yeah. Just, again, I can't stress enough. You know, when you wear a mask, it's a two-way street. You're protecting yourself. And I think probably almost as importantly, you're protecting other people, including my patients, who walk among you largely invisibly. So if people want to get a hold of you because they're thinking about getting cancer <laughs> or they want to follow you on because they were born into it. Sure. Yeah. So my Twitter handle is Mark, M-A-R-K, Lewis, L-E-W-I-S-M-D. And uh, I'm again, I'm a doctor at Intermountain. I have to say really quickly, this is not a corporate plug. My employer could not be more supportive. Um, That's again, awesome. they, they That's are amazing. Really, yeah. It really Actually. is. Like, a lot of a lot of people will look at someone like me and think he's a you know a legal rebel, disaster yeah. on you social rebel media. Rouser, you exactly. <laughs> but no, like everyone, all the way up to my CEO, um, has my back. Even last weekend when I was getting trolled pretty hard, I had all the support I could have needed. So it's really it's a great company to work for. That makes do you so work happy. at the at the Death Star? Do you work at work at one of the hospitals? <laughs> yeah, I work at Intermountain Medical Center. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny though because it's the not Death Star. the Death Star because it kills people. Oh. By the way, it's just the Death Star because it's the size. Yeah, it's no Pioneer. Pioneer is the Death Star. The real Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> Since it was it's incorporated not, with the new physician, it's not their it's not fault. They serve like the poorest populations they in the state and the prison and. Well, the, the county jail, really. Are we going to end on that happy note, you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, we'll probably do an ending after you leave. <laughs> okay, that's good. a little bit nicer. So. Sorry, excellent. <laughs> you can stay with us till the end. You can right? stay to the end. Let's just do our ending. You want to just do yeah, it now? Yeah, Let's have a happy ending for me. Wait, okay. should we talk about alcohol first for the okay, ending? quick alcohol. No, we can talk about alcohol next okay. week. Okay. We can just end it now. Okay, it's done alcohol. With it. So, uh, <laughs> was he the one that posted about peeing? Or uh, hanging your wiener out with your nose down? That, that was not me. Okay. Your wiener <laughs> out with no, no, your nose down? I don't remember exactly, your don't remember exactly what I said, but this was like this was like a couple months ago when I was like, I keep seeing people wearing their masks with their nose out, and they're walking around, and it it's akin to walking around with your fly out and your, your wiener hanging out your pants. It doesn't really do a good service to wear pants if you're just going to have your wiener hanging out. And someone posted on our Facebook page... Almost word for word what I had said, but it was oh, from right, something right, right. else, and yeah. I didn't know who yeah. that was, but nope. so it wasn't you. Nope. <laughs> I, I won't take credit for that one, though. That, that, was, that's pre, about accurate, that was pre-Dr. Right? Lewis. That's, that's about accurate? Is that... Yes. <laughs> can you use that? <laughs> what if... You can quote me if you want. I don't... <laughs> oh, man. I guess that's where we're going to end. If, you, if uh, you liked what you heard, please share it. Uh, that's what helps us the most. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TNU Podcast, uh, or go to our website, thenewutah.com. Lots of cool stuff to do there. Um, most of it free. Um, most of it open now. Yeah. Um, so be. But wear uh, your mask while you're doing it. Yeah. Now, if you're outside and like not around a bunch of people, you can take your mask off. You you're driving alone in your car. It's yeah. okay to take oh, it off. Yeah. What the hell's with the people driving alone <laughs> in their car with the mask on? What is wrong Maybe with it's you? So they remember to wear it when they go in. 